I'm Steffi Fung and I'm a digital fashion artist. I do a range of things such as I work with clients uh, on digital fashion projects. I also create digital fashion NFTs and I also do content creation um, with digital fashion as well. I think it's amazing kind of your wealth of knowledge on this. And now obviously you do digital fashion freelance full time. You've worked on amazing projects. You speak at events, like you said, with NFT Paris. I know you did a project for Dell. I want to know a bit about your career journey leading up to this, because I think a lot of people would see what you're doing and think that's amazing. But I know it's not something you just walk into. Um, So I want to know how did it all, going from being a 3D artist, being employed by a brand and now being freelance content creation digital fashion how did that whole journey pan out yeah I would have never expected to be in this position that I'm in today I think my dream maybe four years ago was to be a 3D artist and work in advertising and branding but I think during the year of the pandemic when we were under lockdown I was working full-time at Selfridges actually and I was a 3D motion designer there And during that time that I got, that we had to work from home, I saved a lot of time from not commuting into London. I actually got three hours back every day, which is a huge amount of time in my eyes. I had all that extra time, which is why I learned digital fashion. I started playing about with it. I wasn't taking it seriously at that time because it was just something I was exploring. And I think when I was learning digital fashion, every time I'd learned something new, I just posted it online. And so people could see this change between me just being a 3D artist to actually my journey learning digital fashion. And so one thing that I also did was stream on Twitch every week. I think the lack of going out made me want to connect online. And so I would every week, and I still do it now, I would go onto Twitch and I would create digital fashion or something 3D and I would have people watch the process and just be there and follow the journey with me. So I think the whole not being afraid of that to show that I'm learning and posting online, I think that really got people's attention because Instagram, uh, specifically Instagram, used to be a place where you would just have the perfect picture, the final product, and you would, you know, that was it. You wouldn't really know much about the person I'm talking about from like a 3D artist perspective um you wouldn't really know much about the person who created it you just admire the finished product and so I decided to show more of the process show more about you know of course uh when you're learning something when it's new it's never usually amazing the first time you actually it's actually quite rough in the beginning and then as you practice and practice, it gets a lot better. So I think doing that, I started to build a community, started to build a following on social media. And so that happened. And as soon as I gave more time and love to social media and saw that people liked the content, I started getting emails from companies to create digital fashion and I thought oh hold on (laughs) I'm just messing about here and people actually want me to create stuff for their brand perhaps or collaborate and so that's when I thought okay maybe I could make a living out of this and that's when I decided to take it more seriously and become a freelancer and so it took a while I became a freelancer and then I started doing digital fashion and of course a lot of my gigs come from Instagram, I would say, um, social media, because that's where they see my work. And I always tell people this, that people will always hire you for things they can see you can do. 
Mm. So they could see I was posting. They could see I, I could make digital fashion. Um, and of course, at that time, it was super new, as in uh, I'm not the first to do it. But in terms of the amount I was putting out at that time, it was quite prevalent that I was really into it. And so companies like Dell reached out to me and, um, you know, we did a whole campaign together, which I would have never expected. But they seemed to really like the fact that I was doing something new. And also, um, yeah, I think they I was quite glad that they took the dive to to include digital fashion into their campaign. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that Dell integrated it in. And when you're um, when you're getting reached out to by these brands, is it very much a process of you educating them on digital fashion? Or have you seen the shift of now the requests you get, they're understanding what it is more? The education part is still there. I think they have a brief idea of what to do with it. But a lot of times um, it is very closely related to 3D. So I think they... Um, if they understand a bit of 3D, then they kind of understand the whole pipeline, the process of what it takes to create a digital fashion garment and also to render it out. Hmm. Yeah. And just going back to the point we were talking about before, obviously you wanted to show the process of it um, and kind of be the face behind your 3D art, digital fashion. And I think, again, that is exactly why I, when I first came across your content, I was it, it did stand out because you could see the creator behind it. Do you think in doing this, this has helped you to um, encourage more people to get into the 3D space, digital fashion space? Because obviously going back to the point, the 3D industry is male dominated, a lack of diversity. Was it your goal to bring more diversity and encourage people to get into the space who wouldn't have before by being the face behind the content as well? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, me showing my face, showing what's possible, um, what I can do. I was hoping that possibly I could inspire people to come into this space and give it a go. And actually, what I really love about digital fashion is that I don't come from a fashion background. And, you know, I'm still here doing digital fashion. So I have this huge imposter syndrome because I'm like, okay, I don't really have fashion history, but, you know, I don't really know fashion terms that much. So, I'm now learning that currently. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think if I can learn it and I don't come from a fashion background and, you know, people who who are inspired, they can also do the same um, because everything that I learned was from online. So it's very achievable. It is You do have to work hard because, of course, 3D is not necessarily an easy thing to to learn within a week, it does take some time, but all you do really need is a computer and just some motivation and just keep going with it. But um, yeah, there's definitely more space for people or individual designers to come into the space. Yeah. And obviously you, as well as doing a multiple, a range of things, you also have your courses where you actually teach digital fashion. Why do you think it's important to teach people on digital fashion do you think there's going to be a whole new array of jobs within this space in the future and what kind of jobs do you think that they will be yes there's going to be so many jobs that don't exist right now I've seen people and um well the companies that I first saw in 2020 they started off really small and now they've grown so much so it's really good to see that they've grown which means that people are actually looking towards this space, investing in this space. And if there's investment in this space, that means there's going to be, um, you know, of course, physical brands looking into this space as well and wanting to play with digital fashion. 
So there are definitely jobs uh, that are needed within the space. I think currently there is a job gap in terms of there is there are people who know fashion and there are people who know 3D, but like merging them together and getting a good balance between the two, there is a little bit of um, there needs to be more people who who understand that and knows how to do it. So that's the whole reason why this education or why I put out a Domestica course or I've got a Patreon to like show people what I can do, but also answer any questions. If, for example, if they're more from the fashion background, they can get some help with 3D. If they're more so from the 3D background, they can get help with the fashion side. Mm. And obviously you do a lot of talks, like you said, you did NFT Paris. You've done um, a lot of other amazing events where you're speaking about what you do. Do you find that when you go to these things, the fact that you didn't have a background in traditional fashion, is that something that is a hindrance at this point or is it more tech focused at these events? These events are definitely more tech focused. So I think anyone who's come into the Web3 space, nobody knew what they were doing in the space. It's still so new. Everyone's still figuring it out. And so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that I don't have a fashion background I think I used to mind it I was like oh my god what they're gonna think but now I'm like you know what everyone's just learning at this point and it it doesn't matter so much so um the fact that I was able to make a career out of this and without the fashion background is still fascinating to me and so um it really shows that you know in careers it's not very linear if you Mm -hmm. want to do something and it's in a different industry, you just go and do it. You, it. you have to learn from the bottom, sure, but you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. And this is why I wanted to go back to the point of obviously you went from being employed, working for Selfridges and then full-time freelance. I think a lot of people, especially if they are a 3D artist or have some sort of skill that could be a freelance skill, how has this shift actually been in reality? And what advice would you give to someone who would want to make this shift as well? Yeah, full-time to freelance is a big jump. I have this other podcast I would like to, (laughs) I've been listening to it recently, let me just find it. So there's a few things I would recommend for 3D artists or any creative who wants to go from full-time to Um, self-employed become a freelancer there's this podcast called six figure creative and it talks about the realities and struggles of being a freelance artist and um yeah how to survive being a freelancer and there's this other book that I read before becoming a freelancer which is called the freelance manifesto the freelancer manifesto I believe um it's from the guy who owns the who co-founded or created a school of motion and there's a lot of good tips in there so my own tips for you guys who want to take the jump as a freelance is definitely save up some money for at least six months worth of salary so that you got something to fall back on and that's exactly what I did as well and um, I also recommend building up your portfolios whether that's like a website or your social media showcasing what you can do because as I said people will hire you based on what they think you can do. And if you can show that visually, they will be reassured that you can do the job. Another thing is having the right connections. So creative industry is all about connections and so is web free. And um, really you should be, you know, 
if you really want to work with a certain studio, a certain brand, or I don't know, you want to do something for this company, you should be, be one, looking at their work and actually try to connect to the people within that team. Because the more you connect people uh, authentically, uh, that better rather than just uh, sending a DM like, hey, I want to work with you. That doesn't really work. you got to build up the relation, build up the connection, whether that's actually going to Twitter spaces or going to uh, a real life event maybe they're holding an event and you can talk to them I think p- prepping yourself and building up those connections whether it's a creative director whether it's I don't know a brand um yeah that will definitely help so that when you do become a freelancer you got contacts uh, that you can you can reach out to we were speaking about your Instagram following obviously I've seen it grow as I've been watching your journey things like this how much of that was it a slow start initially and then it all kind of happened at once? How much did you have to put in in order to build up those connections in order to gain the momentum to get it is to where it is now? I think what I did quite a lot was um, I did a lot of talks even early on. I think when I when I was like at 10K and then at 20K, I think the point is you need to get yourself out there you're not going to get people to look at you if you don't put your work out there, if you don't put your, you know, if you don't talk, right, if you don't showcase your work in yourself. So that's what I did quite a lot of the times. And I think uh, with the recent, because uh, now I've surprisingly hit 100k on Instagram, which I've never thought I would ever do. That's all down to the algorithm, actually, and people liking my videos on reels. So with social media, you got to play the game. If they're pushing out reels, if they're pushing out short form content or long form content you got to do that if you you know you want more eyes on your work you just got to produce a few contents of your work and of course if you're a visual designer or visual artist you already got the visuals there you just need to you know add the video element to it so I think the constant posting from my side because I always post a lot um, and also just show people um, what I'm working on and just bringing people on a journey. I think if you do that, people can one, relate to you. They can see your work and they maybe, maybe they follow you because they want to see what happens next. So I think mm. putting yourself out there, consistently posting, and it has to be, you know, uh, I wouldn't recommend posting every single day. Some people do that, but I cannot. Uh, but posting it where you've got a regular amount of maybe like once a week, or once every two weeks do what's comfortable for yourself but at least show people that you're you're there because the funny thing about the algorithm is that your post might come up and then two seconds later it's gone and so you, you gotta unfortunately with social media you have to constantly remind people that you're alive and you're still there yeah and I think play the game like you said it's definitely a relevant point but do you think that demand for digital fashion freelance work is enough at this point for more and more people to become freelance um, digital designers? Yeah, I think uh, there are lots of people who are asking people to create perhaps they've got a fashion brand and they want you to digitalize it and make it into an NFT or make it into an AR filter and they don't have the capability of doing that and you could possibly do that. 
there are brands that are like NFT brands that they want to make, I don't know, uh, a wearable, perhaps a digital fashion wearable, and you could help with that. So yeah, there are many ways that you can go into digital fashion at the moment. And I think um, if you dive into the digital fashion community, or even just the web free community, there, there are a lot of people asking for this sort of skill set. And when brands approach you for this kind of digital fashion freelance work, is the brief always very different or is there starting to become a bit of a standardization of what they're wanting from you? Hmm. It's quite different. I've worked on, I think, three projects that are quite different from brands. The first one was with Glenn Fiddich and Heisnabiety. Um, Of course, Whiskey Brand, which I didn't expect to, to have interest in digital fashion. And they asked if I could create a collection based off of their packaging and they let me run with that. They said, okay, this is the packaging, take it and do something with it and create digital fashion pieces. And so I created three digital fashion pieces and in the end we sold them as NFTs and the proceeds then went back to art communities. And so that was a really interesting one. And then the next project I worked on was with Dao, I believe. And of course that one, they asked me to create a digital fashion piece based off this theme called Expand Your Universe. So a lot of these briefs seemed quite open, which I really liked. It seemed like they, they were quite willing for, for me to take the theme, the concept, and run with it. And so I created my own animation, and then we created a whole advert ad comp- campaign about it. And then the most recent one that I worked on with Gucci, this one is interesting because it it does dabble in digital fashion, but it's also go back to my 3D roots a little bit. So this one was more product focused and they wanted me to highlight their Gucci running sneakers. And so they gave me the, the, the actual shoe and they said, okay, this is what it looks like, T- you know, take it and like make a story, like make an animation out of it and see uh Actually, they had a concept, actually. The the concept was your flow state, which is referring to when you're really in your creative flow and you're performing at your best in your creativity. So they said, okay, take that theme, you got a shoe, and make something out of it. So it is still quite open, although this one was more product focused. And so those are the projects I really love (laughs) Um, Mm. because I have been reached out by people to perhaps make a specific amount of garments or like to make a certain type of garments with a quite a simple like logo on top and I think you know that that just really to me goes back to making things for other people whereas I'm more at a point where I want to collaborate and add a bit of my style and flavor into uh, these pieces. Yeah. And I think especially because the whole reason you got into digital fashion as well was to explore your Chinese culture and roots and like bring that into your designs. So I think I can imagine that you want to remain to have that creative control over it because that was a whole point and have that authentic, your authentic style within it. But when you're doing this work for these brands, is there the opportunity to still bring in um, these Chinese roots and this inspiration as well? Yes. So a lot of the projects that I worked on do allow that, um, do allow that flexibility as in they, they are essentially uh, working with me to add a bit of my style to it, which I really appreciate. So yes, they do. And do you think that this flexibility that you've been given, has it come from the fact that 
the digital fashion space is still so small or do you think or is that quite typical of being a freelance creative? I think perhaps because of my style that you can see on social media they can see that so I'm more so an artist rather than a designer I'm a bit of both but um, when you're a designer you design for people right you design for the client you design to their their needs and you problem solve it whereas an artist you can see that they've got their own style and they create usually for themselves so I've kind of taken this transition before I was a designer because I used to work for a company and clients and suit their needs but now I'm also an artist where I create my own artworks my own style and so I suppose maybe perhaps in order to work with me you gotta have to be able to take on a bit of my style as well and I think um, that's something I've probably pushed in the brief as well. I think that's a really good lesson, especially as a freelancer, as much as it may be tempting to take any work that comes your way. If you want to really do the projects where you can bring in your own style, then you have to kind of set those boundaries. And then that's what you're known for. And that's obviously worked really well for you. Um, But I want to ask you in a bit more detail about the Dell campaign, because from watching your YouTube a bit, you mentioned that when you initially got that project, it wasn't meant to be that you were actually in the actual advert itself, but it did end up that way. So I wanted you to speak through the story of that and how it um, how it all unfolded in such a nice way. Yeah. So when I got that email, I f- it was it was a lot smaller than I thought it would be. As in, when I read that email, I thought, okay, it's they want me to make an animation. It's like a little video shoot and a photo shoot. Fine. That's cool. I'm down for this. At that point, um, it sounded an awesome opportunity. And I think I didn't realize how big of a campaign it was when, until I got to the actual place. So they flew us to Bulgaria to film the the advert. And at that time, I think before I flew to Bulgaria, I created this, that animation based off the theme of Expand Your Universe. And so after creating that animation they created a whole ad campaign off that animation and they created a whole world and uh, they flew me to Bulgaria. I got there and it was like a proper ad campaign and I just didn't realise that until I got there. I thought, oh my gosh, this is a lot bigger than I thought it would be. And so we split it into four days. The first day was a photo shoot with the Dell laptop. Of course, that's what we were promoting uh, the Dell X- XBS and there was just a lot of people and I just wasn't realized it just didn't click with me that there was just so many people to look after perhaps like the lighting the way that the frame should be shot the actual product needs to be cleaned all the time so there was just a lot of things happening and I think for me it was just a really eye- a big eye-opener because I've never been I've never been in a set like that before. I used to work in post-production as a 3D artist, so I would always work after they've done the shoot. Uh, but I've never been in the shoot, so it was just really fascinating for me to see that. And then, of course, the next day we we filmed the actual commercial and it was, you know, it was just huge scale, just like there was this massive LED screen at the back, which I believe there's only three locations for it. They filmed the Mandalorian on that screen as well so I was just like whoa this is this is tech this is cool and I was just really if I'm honest because I'm such a tech head I was really um in love with the LED screen at the back 
And so, yeah, we spent the next few days filming the actual ad commercial. And it was my first time acting because I've never acted in my life before. So I had to, you know, a lot of new experiences for me. And I'm just really grateful that they chose me for that. Yeah. And then the people working on the set or working on this campaign, were they familiar with the concept of digital fashion? Did they understand what you were doing and like bringing to the campaign? Some of them did and some of them didn't. So a lot of them just wanted to get the job done because this is what they do. This is their industry. But I really love the director. He His vision and the actual, the way that the ad came out, I was just like, wow, like, you know, um, the, the actual team that directed it, they definitely did an amazing job just understanding what it is, understanding what I do and actually being so kind directing me because as I said I had to do a bit of acting and pretend like I was doing stuff I said they're just really patient with me as well so it was just yeah it was lovely to be there. Something that stood out to me what you were saying was that usually you were used to working a bit more um, remotely like on your own as well because obviously that's the nature of a 3D artist or working on um, digital art in general but now you're obviously doing a lot of in real life events doing things yet in person with digital fashion. How do you think that digital fashion will evolve more in physical events, physical fashion shows, things like this, compared to it just being a fully digital thing? Yeah, so during the pandemic, it was definitely all digital. Everyone was at home. Um, But now I'm also going to these events now and they are combining uh, physical and digital together. I recently went to one in London for London Fashion Week where they combined the use of um, having physical pieces and then having uh, somebody wear like a body tracking suit and they would you would see on the screen the physical piece and also a digital avatar of the, that piece. And it was quite interesting. So, you know, when you go to events now, there's always going to be uh, I would say a blend between the two and uh, a way of, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting actually because it won't be the typical fashion week style. There's going to be different ways we can interact with fashion, which really excites me. Mm. And in terms of the actual technical knowledge, obviously designing a 3D garment is one thing, but then knowing how to bring it to life in a physical space or through AR or on a body tracking suit for virtual production. This is a whole nother skill set in itself. Have you had to learn anything to do this? Or yeah, how do you think this will be in terms of the actual knowledge? So yeah, making a digital garment already requires like, in my pipeline, it requires at least five different programs already. So it's quite a lot. And then on top of that, if you want to bring it into AR, if you wanted to, like you said, do virtual production, there's other things you need to look into. And so, yeah, I have dabbled in a bit of AR, for example. And I think I probably should learn it a bit better because it is it is definitely achievable. You can There's loads of tutorials out there. But I think there are companies that are uh, jumping in and making that that pipeline easier as in they provide that service to you where you give them the 3d asset for example the 3d digital garment and then they embed that into ar and so that to me is amazing because then i don't need to spend so much time learning about ar for example but it is definitely a good tech skill to have i would say so you know we were talking about job 
jobs in digital fashion, you could potentially just be someone who translate digital fashion pieces into a, a game ready AR formats, ready for Decentraland, ready for AR, because that itself takes time to do. Mm, that's a really good point. And would you recommend that people focus in on one software or one skill set or to be more multidisciplinary and be able to do a bit of everything in this new space do you think what what's more valuable do you think I think you should start off always with one because when you start off with one it usually leads to another and if you're able to learn more than just one skill set I would say then even better for you so I think Either you start with just like learning basic digital fashion, learning a bit of 3D, learning fashion itself, because those are huge topics in itself. And then if you ever want to jump into AR, into VR, or like these virtual worlds and making game-ready assets, then you can do that next. Yeah, I think that's that's good advice for sure. And I think seeing how your career has evolved, it's definitely been like an organic growth as well and naturally learning the skills as you go along. But um, going actually just, I wanted to ask you about digital fashion as a concept as a whole. Obviously, you mentioned that you fell in love with digital fashion as a creative expression, a way to design fashion without having to design physical clothes. But what do you think the actual main value of digital fashion is? I still think it is self-expression, really. Um, I think digital fashion is a way for us to express ourselves in new ways that we haven't done before and you know especially with being a digital like if you were a digital avatar you can really make anything happen or well not just digital avatars as in I'm talking about you know you could have blue skin green skin purple skin like digital avatars you can really customize it to whatever you want but just in digital fashion or just the digital realm you can make things that you can't make happen in the physical world you can make your dress could be on fire, for example. Your jumper could be made out of ice. You could make it disappear for a second and come back. You can make it where the text animates on the actual uh, garment. Um, you could have no gravity, have things floating around. So there's just a lot of things that we haven't explored in fashion. Uh, sorry, digital fashion. Um, so I think there's definitely a lot more things you could play about with digital fashion and a lot of things for us to learn in terms of what we can do with digital fashion because we don't have the restrictions of the real world physics. Mm. No, I love that. I love how I like it when people's favorite aspect of it is just the self-expression and identity, because I think that's a really, um, it's a nice use case for it. And I think Again, what I notice a lot is that this kind of endless possibilities and limitless potential that digital fashion offers is is so exciting to so many people. And I think that's that's a really nice way to look at it. But all these events you're going to, everything that you're learning about digital fashion, how do you think that the space is going to evolve um, now that the momentum of it has built more and more? I think more people are going to come into this space. I'm hoping more brands are going to take it more seriously because there was a whole thing where people thought digital fashion is a gimmick. And it's the reason why they thought that is because the technology is still not there yet. This technology is good, but it can be improved. But I think, you know, with the rise of AI, for example, and of course the fact that technology keeps getting better and better and advance at quite a fast pace you can bet within five years it's going to be really seamless and really good and 
you know, people are going to be able to wear perhaps AR glasses, which of course Apple and another brand, I think Samsung is gonna make an AR glasses. Snapchat already has one. You know, with the rise of these type of technology where there's gonna be more access to digital fashion and there's gonna be more education with digital fashion. There's more universities teaching digital fashion as a course now. And I'm just hopeful that with the greater amount of education in the space and showing what is possible in the space, this space is really gonna grow and um, yeah, and a lot more people are gonna come in and, and give it a try and uh, won't be so scared of it anymore. Yeah, and talking about having more brands come into the space, do you think that we would need to change the whole language around digital fashion? So using this more tech native language for for brands or individuals who are more on the fashion native side, do you think the language should be altered to make it more universal universal and um, like digestible for the fashion natives? Or do you think, yeah, what do you think of, of that? I don't think so. I think, you know, with any new industry, you're going to have to learn the lingo, right? So it's the same as me learning uh, the fashion terms, for example. You know, to me, that was foreign at first, but now I'm starting to understand it a lot better. I think you need to, if you're going to come into this space, you have to understand the tech terms because it essentially is tech technology industry. So, um, yeah, I think if you're going to come into this space, you've got to be willing to learn all the terms and what it means and I think this space is really welcoming if you don't actually if you don't understand a certain term you just ask people within the space and they will just explain it to you yeah no that's amazing and I think all the I like how you're coming from a tech first approach and then you've entered this space because I think that shows as well that you don't necessarily need a background within fashion it's like you can enter this space as it is a new industry so I think it's um it's all extremely exciting. But as a final question, where can people um see your work and learn more about you as well? Sure. So I am on every social media you can imagine. <laughs> My handle is um at Steffi Fung and you can find me on TikTok, Twitch, uh Twitter, Patreon, where else? YouTube, which you found me on YouTube. Um and, and so on. So that is where you can see my work and that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you as well. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise, and with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.